To Mindspace by Allplay, which is, I believe, releasing soon. We have the two-player animal dueling game Animal Wars, and we have our coffee subscriber chosen game of the month, My Best Chef by Smart Ape Games. Speaking of which, this is our monthly reminder that you also can join our coffee. And the thing I like about coffee more than Patreon is you can choose to get, be a monthly subscriber, or you can just give a one-time donation. Just you know, buy us a coffee if you were. And of course, it's not necessary. We will continue to put out all of our main content for free. But what that allows you to do is to choose what we cover for the next month, and it gives you exclusive video content that we're still trying to figure out with our coffee subscribers to see what is worth it for. Them. A link to that is in the show notes of every episode, but you're not here to listen to our sales pitch for that. You are here to listen to some games, so let's get it started. Let's kick things off with the roll and write four and a half to Tommy Mats, and it has been redone into Mindspace by All Play. So that is the title I'm going to refer to it as, even though the version that I played is the original version. Mindspace has you taking the role of a college student trying to make the most of their final year of college, and you'll do this by trying to balance out different aspects of your life. Each round is pretty straightforward. You'll start the round by rolling some colored dice and putting them, depending on what number you roll, along a row of cards in their respective places. These cards will each show a polyomino on them. You'll then choose a combination of the die that's next to the polyomino shape that you want, and you'll draw that on your board. So, for example, if you want the postage stamp-shaped polyomino, and there's a purple die next to it because of how you rolled, then you need to put a purple postage stamp somewhere on your board. There's only two placement rules. One is that it has to be adjacent to a piece that you've already put down, and that the same color cannot touch another piece of the same color, so two purples cannot be touching each other. You'll do this 12 times to signify the 12 calendar months of the year, and whoever scores the most points at the end wins. Now, you might be asking yourself a couple of important questions. A, what are these different colors that you keep talking about? And B, how do I score those most points to win? Well, those answers can be provided by the same explanation. These different colors represent the different aspects of your life, like hobbies and love and friendship and money. And based on how well you do in each of these categories, you will score points. Each of these different categories scores a little bit differently, and I'm not going to go through each and every one of them, but I will give you a couple of examples. One example is the red category, which is love and compatibility. For each red that you have on the board, you will take a look at the polyomino shape that it is. And if you have the same polyomino shape on the board that is a different color, then you score points for it. For example, if you have the postage stamp that I was talking about earlier, and it's in red, but you also have a purple postage stamp, and you have a blue postage stamp, well, then you're going to get points for the purple and blue ones, because those are compatible with the red postage stamp. 
Another one might be the education one, which is blue, which is a little bit strange to explain as a teacher because even though you're college students, it's important to go to school and you actually start off the blue category with a bunch of negative points. You have to make sure that blue is in each section of your board, but it cannot be the overwhelming part of any one section because, of course, when you're at college, the education should not be the most important part of being there. I don't, hmm, I don't know about this one, but that would be how blue would score. Aside from these different aspects of your life, the other way to score points is by objectives because it's a roll and write, so of course objectives are mandatory. These objectives might be something like minimalism. That is, if you pick four of the smallest polyomino, or something like surrounding a piece of furniture that is permanently on your board. You'll add up your points from these objectives and the different aspects of your life, and like I said, the most points at the end of the game wins. Now, I actually have a confession to make to everyone, and that is that this game was actually supposed to be one of the first games we covered at the Board Game Dojo. We got it a couple of years ago at the Tokyo Game Market when it first came out. It was supposed to be Yura Yura Penguin, it was supposed to be Nana, and it was supposed to be Mind Space. And we played it a few times, and then we kind of said, you know what, I'm not really feeling that strong of feelings one way or the other about it, at least definitely not enough to do a video on it, so let's just put it away for now. And there in the closet, it sat for a couple of years until a couple weeks ago, I got the email from Allplay saying that Mindspace was going to be available soon. And I thought, oh, you know what? We already have the original version of this game. Let's see how it is and see if maybe we like it a bit more now. Maybe we're less burnt out on Roland rights, for example, because you're not seeing them come out at such a rapid rate as they did a couple years ago. At least it doesn't feel like it. And so we played a few more games of this. And I have to say, I'm still feeling the same way that I felt. And Simachan is as well. The game is fine and maybe even good, but I think it falls short of great. Although I'm not sure that I can quite put my finger on why, but maybe talking to you about it today will at least help me sort out my thoughts. Let's start with the theme of this game, because I think that this is the main selling point of the game game? Does it feel thematic in the sense that you are doing different parts of your life and trying to not so much balance it, but decide on what is important? Are you going to focus on happiness this game and love this game? Are you going to focus more on the part-time job aspect of it or maybe your hobbies? Or are you going to go for those objectives? You want to achieve different things in your life and I think in that sense, it does feel slightly thematic, and especially in the points that certain ones do feel thematic, like the compatibility aspect of it. Like, that's cute that if you have a matching polyomino, they call that compatibility. I think that is a cute touch. Although one can argue how different each thing feels when you're just putting polyominoes down in a room, but I guess you do have to take into account the different rules of scoring. But I actually think the most thematic element of this game is in the opportunity costs that you are doing. Because if you use the thematic words that the game is trying to get you to use, you are going to make decisions like, you know what, I am going to sacrifice happiness this turn for doing a part-time job, or I am going to sacrifice my education 
for my hobbies. Although it doesn't exactly perfectly work out well because you will also say things like, I'm going to sacrifice love for happiness or happiness for love. And I'm not really sure you should be sacrificing happiness for love. I think love should be making you happy. Theoretically speaking, I don't know, maybe that's just me talking as a happily married man. But I do think that this opportunity cost is also the most interesting aspect of the gameplay. It is an interesting decision to know that you only have 12 choices to make, and you can make a little bit more choices with getting the part-time job because that gives you some coins that give you some bonus actions. Um, But for the most part, it is a very tight decision space. You do have to make the important decisions every single day game. And because everybody can pick whatever die they want, everybody has the same decision space, which means it's a puzzle that the best player will win. Did you balance out your life well enough that you are able to make a better life for yourself than the other players around the table? And I think this is where I can say that I enjoyed the game, but I don't know. This is where I struggle to find the words to describe why I can find this game good, but not great. But maybe I don't really have to. Reviewers, I think, oftentimes talk about the whole being more than the sum of its parts. A couple of good aspects of the game creating a great experience. But I also think that you have games like this that have a good theme. You have a good gameplay loop, and it just equals a good game. It falls in the kind of area where if you asked me to play this, I would always say, yes, I do enjoy myself when I'm playing it, and it doesn't take very long to play at all. But I also find myself always kind of leaning towards, if I want a roll and write, going towards something else that seems to, in my mind, excel in one aspect of it or another. If I want something in which I need to plan and take risks in my planning, I'm going to lean towards Welcome to the Moon. If I want something that's going to give me that combo-tastic feeling, I'm going to go towards the Ganshan Clever, or That's Pretty Clever, games. There's even other Roland rights that make me feel like the theme is more evocative, like Let's Make a Bus Route, which is now Get On Board, which is also out of Japan, which makes a lot of sense of why you are drawing lines on a board, and that's a lot more interactive. And that, I think, is the final piece of this mind space puzzle, because I think maybe the reason that I don't find it great is also just the fact that it's more in that pleasant, non-interactive space of Roland Rights that I personally and Sumachan also don't really enjoy that much. We never got on with Railroad Inc., for example, or games like it. And I know I've mentioned that a couple of times, but it just goes to show that There are games out there that other people really, really enjoy that just don't sit with us as well. It's not what we're looking for in that genre of game. And that is why I think that I am so happy that All Play has brought this to a foreign audience. Because where I don't think I would have recommended this game for you if you were going to have to import this, because actually this... um, game is a little bit more on the expensive side for what it is. Um, It would have costed you probably 
40 to $50 to import, it's now going to cost you about half of that, hopefully. I don't know what the price is off the top of my head, but it's going to cost you half of that. And that is much, much, much easier recommendation for you to say, hey, if you like Roland Rights, if this sounds like something that you might enjoy, this then is something that might be worth it for you to track down. Something that I do want to point out is that I don't know how Mindspace is going to be, but the original only really had enough colored pencils in the box for like two or three players to play at any one time. Now, of course, you can solve this problem by just buying your own colored pencils and it works, but I do just want to point it out there that you might need to buy your own colored pencils if you choose to pick up this game. And that is Four and a Half to Tummy, which is being redone as Mindspace, designed by Shimamura Nao, and the art is by Yamauchi Rockboy, and the publisher is Alleluia Rockboy. Anybody who knows me or has watched certain videos like our five interesting trick takers from Japan video knows that I love a good game on sale. I love a good bargain bin dive. And oftentimes I will do this for a couple of purposes. One in which to save money, I just oftentimes cannot say no to even a halfway decent game that is 75% off. But also because it gives me a good snapshot as to where the doujin game scene is. Oftentimes in places like Yellow Submarine or Sudagaya, there will be these drawers of games that haven't really been looked at by many people and so are now on clearance. And these are games that have not a whole lot of marketing behind them or not very nice component quality behind them, but oftentimes have good ideas put into them. So I oftentimes will buy a few just to take a look. I've had some hits like Rock, Paper, Scissors, Trick, which to this day I think is probably my best bargain bin find since I got it for only 75 cents and I quite enjoy the game. But then you also have games like Animal Wars, which I am going to cover for you today. This is, in case you haven't really noticed my tone, not good at all. But let me first explain and do it my due diligence by explaining what this game is. It kind of advertises itself as a two-player trick-taking game, but I don't want you to think about this at all. I want you to, to think about it as a two-player dueling game that is kind of like if Flux and, I don't know, Munchkin had a baby, I would suppose, in which you were going to be playing cards from your hands that represent different animals of the animal kingdom. And this is a very, very, very tiny deck. I think it's something like 12 or 15 cards in total. And these animals will have different effects on them and different amounts of points on them if you satisfy different conditions. Oftentimes, you will already know who will win based on the first or second card in each round because these cards can be something like the lion that is worth 10,000 points when the other cards in the deck are worth like half a point. Or somebody might be able to play the gorilla, which is worth 555 points and you get the hit that, you know, the other cards in the deck are worth like one or half a point. So if either one of these cards are played, then, well, you're done. It's supposed to balance itself out by whoever loses the round gets to take whatever card they want that has been played on the table and put it in their hand. But again, you run into the same problem that you just know who's going to win that. And it's supposed to be best of three or best of five, however many you want to play. But the problem is, is I don't think that you're actually going to want to play this very much because... It's essentially who can get one of these two cards down onto the table, and if you can't, then you're kind of doing these uh, somewhat, I don't know, it feels a bit trivial 
of tasks like making sure that oh maybe like the otter wants to call its otter friend so you're going to try to call it otter but there's also like all these different conditions that you have to line up to make sure of it and it's not even that good of a card so then you're like mm, is it really worth the effort for me to play this and i'm actually giving it too much of a strategic thought to it each round of this lasts about a minute or two minutes so you can add it up in your head that a game takes maybe between five or ten minutes and that is five or ten minutes of my life that I wish I could have gotten back because honestly the best part of this game is the box that it comes in and it's just a standard box but when you look at everything else the cards are crap the rule book is crap the gameplay is crap and I'm sounding really harsh but I really really mean it this is probably the worst game that we have played in at least this year if not in the past couple of years. It is just not fun at all. Maybe I could see that if you were super, super young or you know you, you didn't really have that much experience with other card games, maybe this could be fun because you'd be like, oh my goodness, this animal has this power or this animal has this power because the rules aren't, once you have a grasp of them, they're not very difficult. You can play this over and over and over and over and over again. And because the game is so cheap, I could see that. But, oh my God goodness it just is not a very fun gameplay loop both of our reactions to playing this game was after even just one round of this we said do we really have to play this again do we really have to play another round of this and it's like no we this game at least deserves us to play a full game of this maybe if we just follow the rules and we balance itself out you know that's the other thing when one of the central tenets of the game is that the game requires players to balance it out then there's an issue there. Like, if you're going to go into the swinginess of the game and say that you're going to have a lion that's worth, like, 10,000 points when everything else is half a point, then lean into it. Don't say that the players themselves need to balance this game out because that's not my job. That's your job as a designer to make a game that is either balanced and you want it to be balanced or swingy and you want it to be swingy. Don't, don't say that I designed a game that is swingy and then you need to balance it out. But, and I'm trying to, like, not be too over hyperbolic here i'm just i want to explain this to you on today's episode because i think that so many of these kind of dojin games fall by the wayside and <laughs> in my opinion rightly so but this is oftentimes what you're actually getting in a lot of these games that you might not hear about dojin games can be really really cool because People are able to put their ideas to maybe something that doesn't have that good of components, but at least they have this kind of almost prototype-like game that comes out, and it's now able to be put out into the wild. Pun completely intended. But you do also get these games like this that you can definitely tell why they weren't picked up by a big publisher. And... I don't mean this as a way of saying like, hey, don't publish your games like this. Like, I want you to continue putting ideas out there. I want people to continue publishing games that they think are good. Just knowing that as a consumer, you need to be a little bit buyer beware based on that you are going to a lot of the time get stuff that really, really, really isn't very good. And that's Animal Wars. Because of such a negative review, I am not going to give the designer. And we are just going to move it on. 
our last game that we are going to cover was decided on by our coffee subscribers. And because of that, we are also going to be doing a video review of it this week. And this is My Best Chef, a game that is published by Smart Ape Games, which we have had some mixed results with their games so far. We liked Crypto Collector. We did not like Sweet Dog Hotel. So let's see how this one is. My Best Chef is a game all about running a restaurant, I guess. And really, I want you more to think about this as you are going to be building an efficiency combo-tastic engine. On your turn, you can do one of five actions. You can pick an employee up from the middle general pile and put it into your hand. You can pick up a resource you can exchange a resource already in your hand with something else from the box. You can clean your restaurant, or you can hire somebody from your hand with those resources that you have. Now, the thing is, is that if you're only doing one action on your turn, you are not doing a very good job because every employee that you hire has a power that allows you to do some kind of bonus action on your turn or do one of those actions better. So let me actually explain to you how the beginning of the game works because I actually think it is a good example of what is going to happen. Everybody starts the game with a manager and what the manager's special power is is that when you put a person from the general population into your hand, you get to also draw a resource. So right away, you're doing two actions. You're going to be putting somebody from the general population into your hand and you're going to be drawing a resource and you're probably going to be drawing the resource that is the cost of hiring that employee on the next turn. And that's what you're going to do. It's a bit of a boring turn, but you got to do what you got to do. You pay the cost of hiring the employee, and now you have two employees. And what this employee allows you to do is that now every time that you draw a resource, you get to clean up your restaurant. So then on your next turn, you're going to draw another employee up from the general population into your hand, which means that you, because of the manager, get to draw a resource. But then because of your other new employee, every time you draw a resource, you also get to clean your restaurant. So now you're doing three of those five actions on your single turn. And this is the engine that you are building. This is the combo-tastic engine that you are going to get to play with throughout this game. Depending on the version of this game you have, once the first person hires 11 or 12 employees, everybody gets one final turn, and then you will add up your points at the end of the game, and whoever has the most points wins. Now, there's a couple things that I want to add onto this so that you can get to where you get all these points from. The one thing is that each employee that you hire will have a differing point total based on if they're level 1, level 2, level 3. The level three employees will also have different end game bonuses. Like if you have more purple cards than anybody else, you'll get a certain amount of points. There's also each color of these cards represent a different department in the restaurant, like the service department or the administration department or the cooking department. And if you don't have each of these departments, then you lose five points for each department you don't have. Now, you won't run into this too often because each different department specializes in a different kind of special power that you will have. And most likely to have the best engine, you're going to want to have all of these different departments anyway. But it is a nice scoring bonus to at least point you in the direction of how to do the best in this game. No. That's not the only way you will lose points, though, because throughout the game, some employees, when they do their action, will cause garbage to pile up in your restaurant, which is why 
that card that I talked about earlier, where it's the new employee that when you draw a resource, you get to clean up your restaurant. That is a very, very important card because at the end of the game, you'll lose points if you have garbage in your restaurant. But the other thing is that if at any point you have five pieces of garbage in your restaurant, you have to lay off one of your employees, which you definitely don't want to do because throughout the game, these employees can get pretty dang expensive. So you don't want those to go to waste. Like I said, at the end of the game, whoever has the most points wins. Now, I think that they could have renamed this game from My Best Chef to My Best Game because this is Smart Ape's best game yet. We had so much fun every time we played this one. No matter how many times you get to set off this engine, it still feels satisfying to do something like getting to put an employee in your hand, picking the resources that you need to hire that employee, and then on the same turn, getting to hire that employee. It is like at the end, everybody is firing off this well-oiled machine that maybe actually it does kind of feel like a restaurant when you have the perfect assembly line and everyone is working together seamlessly. And here's the thing. I think that this game is going to be often compared with perfumery, not because of the theme, but because they are both going to be marketed more as these games that are all about building the best engine, the best comboed engine. Can you get from one part of your engine to the other so that you can make some complex thing happen? And in our review of Perfumery, which you can look up on YouTube on our Tactical Games review, which we reviewed three games from that publisher, we talked about that Perfumery feels very punishing because you only set off this engine at the end of every round, and there are only a couple of rounds. I think there's like three or four rounds, so I don't know if that counts as a couple. But So if you mess up your engine in any single way in which you are firing it off only in one direction, right? So if you mess up somewhere along the way, it is incredibly punishing because you are probably going to lose that game or it's going to be very incredibly difficult for you to come back. Whereas in My Best Chef, you are building up that engine slowly and you're going to be constantly trying to fire it off on every single turn. So you are going to get some satisfaction throughout the game of, okay, maybe it's not a super long chain of combos going into each other, but you at least were able to string together multiple different actions. You put together two or three different turns, you combine them all into one turn. And that is, it feels pretty good. And this also makes this a great game to learn how to do that for other games. I don't know if I would call this a, like the perfect family game. I think that maybe um, like eight plus would probably be a good range for this one, but it is pretty quick to understand. The rules of this game are not very difficult to grasp, but this does lead me to the biggest negative of this game, and this is something that we have said all along about Smart Ape games, and that is that this rulebook is not good. Please, Smart Ape, please, please, please hire somebody to write your rulebooks for you. Please hire somebody else to do the editing for you because your games are pretty good. If not in this case, I think that this game is great, but oh my goodness, having to get through the rule book was a slog. In fact, we tried multiple times to try playing this game and then we just would put it down because the rule book was not good. And it is not just us. You might in the audience be thinking, well, Eric, you are not a native Japanese speaker. Maybe you are just not understanding 
the rules very well because it's not in your native language. That's a fair point. I'm not the one who read the rules, though. Sumachan is, and she is native Japanese. So, and it's not just her either. If it was just us, that's another argument you could get. Like, maybe you two aren't, are just not doing it because clearly they would proofread this. But online, it is filled, even on this game, with people who like this game but say, hey, the rulebook wasn't very good, or hey, the iconography on the cards weren't very good. It's just, it's not very user-friendly. The rulebook is at least getting better. I can see some improvements from some other games, but it's still, it reads much more complex than this game should be. Oftentimes, I would go online and read reviews of this games, in which I've talked about on some other podcast episodes before that a lot of times what Japanese reviews are for board games are them just explaining how you play the game. And I actually had to go online and read other people's rewordings of the rulebook to actually get what a basic action was. Even the five basic actions that I explained to you earlier, we couldn't understand what they were talking about because of the word usage that they were using in the rulebook. But that is really the only negative about this game because everything else really works very, very well. I like the time length of this game. It's only going to take you 30 to 45 minutes. The box says it plays two to four players. We really, really, really recommend it at two and three, but four is also fun. I just like um, how quick the turns are with two or three players. And also you have some cards that require a lot of resources and there is a max cap of how many resources you can have on the table at one time, which is eight. So if you have four players, getting to have five of any one resource is a very, very, very difficult task that I like more in the two or three player game where it's still difficult, but it feels a little less impossible, which is I think much more in line with the rest of the game that feels more accessible it feels like let's have fun setting off our engine let's have fun building up a combo and getting to feel the excitement of combining five turns into one and how clever it makes you feel while i think it falls short of being a two star essential game we are definitely going to give this a one star we think that if you can get your hands on this for a decent price it is going to be well worth your money i don't think you need to own this and perfumery I think that if you want a game that is more widely accessible, if you want a game that is going to be enjoyed by, I think, more people or at least more on a consistent basis, then I would go after My Best Chef. But if you want a game that it feels a little bit heavier, it is going to be a bit more punishing but definitely has that tension that My Best Chef doesn't have, then I would go for Perfumery. And that is My Best Chef, designed by Yamaguchi Takanari. The art is by Tansan Inc., and the publisher is Smart Ape Games. Well, that is going to do it for today. We are going to be having a mailbag episode later on this week, so you can contact us on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Discord, or send us an email at boardgamedojopodcast at gmail.com. This one, we are going to try something different, and we are going to do a fully anonymous mailbag. So don't worry if you have what you think is maybe a stupid question. There is no such thing as a stupid question, says the teacher right here. But that's just my weird way of saying, hey, ask whatever you are truly curious about, and we are going to answer it on our mailbag episode later this week. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Arigatou gozaimasu. Until next time, jane. Ja